Well, good evening, living room. It is great. Thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Make some noise. Good, good. Okay, that's fun. All right, cool. A manipulative audience. I like it. All right, we can have some fun. Uh, no, I'm really glad you guys are here tonight. I think you guys are the faithful chosen, the ones who decided that, you know what, no matter how much schoolwork I have to do, I have time on Monday night to come out for some worship and teaching at the living room. So in the spirit of that, I think you guys have like four to six weeks left of school, right? Like depending on what school you're at. So you're almost done, right? All right. I just need to pull the room here. How many of you have like 10 pages to write before you can graduate. Um, okay, 10, 10 or more, 10 or more. Before you, or not before you can graduate, before you're done with the semester, sorry. I'm about to graduate, so that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, 10 or more, okay, 20 or more? 30 or more? 40 or more? No? I know you, you go to my school, yeah. I'm in the same boat as you are. I got 40 pages to write, and then I can graduate. But God bless you all, I know, right? It's a quick run to the end, but we're gonna make it. Praise the Lord. Now, the truth is, though, you know, we got a couple of different groups here. We have got, like, the freshmen, sophomore, and juniors, and y'all, yeah, all right, freshmen, go ahead, freshmen, sophomore, juniors, there you go. You guys, you guys have it easy. You, you guys have it easy, seriously, all right? You guys get to, like, you, you finish the semester, you maybe have to figure out what you're going to do this summer, you know, get an internship, binge on Netflix, whatever you want to do, but eventually you get to go back to school in the fall. You know exactly what you're doing next year. Okay, now the seniors in the room, can I hear from any of you? There you go. You guys get to finish this semester and you're off into the great wide open, right? It's like, what am I doing next? Am I going to grad school? Am I moving back in with my parents? Am I, you know, getting a job? What am I doing? What's happening next? Am I staying here? Am I moving? Who knows? All these questions, right? Are there any uh, people not in school, like young adults? Anyone? Maybe? Well, you guys, if maybe they're silent, I don't know, maybe you guys, you know, but uh, you guys, you know, you, you have jobs and that kind of stuff, so you get the stress of just the regular workforce, and if there are any adults in the room or graduate students who know what it's like to be, you know, in school where it's actually more professional than anything else, and you're just doing school all the time, and I bring that up because we're at that time of year when everybody's doing tests, and we have stress, and we have exams, and we have papers, and it just seems like everything's crazy, and when will the summer get here. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay. Well, you know, grad or uh, undergrad for me was, was a little while ago, about, about six years ago today, I was wrapping up, um, getting ready to wrap up my senior year of college. And I had this big senior thesis to do. I had chosen to take it on, okay? And it was one of those ones that you sign up for at the start of your senior year. You start it like you're supposed to start it in you know, August and kind of like come up with a proposal and write it. It's supposed to be a hefty paper, like 40 to 50 pages, a single paper that's like your final thesis. So, you know, I proposed it in August, started thinking about it a lot, just really spending time just thinking about it. You know what I mean? And then August, September, October, November, I'm still thinking about it. I mean, I'm thinking a lot about it, but you know, December, fall semester's over. We start the spring. Still, I haven't done anything on this paper, okay? I meet with my advisor. He's like, oh, you know, what are you doing, Hotho? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'll, you know, I, but I have an idea, something, I don't know, theology or the Bible. I don't know, something with this paper, anything, right? So we get to March, okay? We're like, this is like the end of March. We're like a month from graduation, okay? And I'm sitting in my dorm room, and I get an email from him, and this is what the email says. I'm going to read it for you. I still have it saved, okay? It started, you know, Mr. Hotho. By Thursday afternoon, I need to see an extensive outline of what you're doing. By Tuesday afternoon, 
I must have your first draft of at least 35 pages. That's seven pages a day, Thursday night to Tuesday. This means that whatever plans you have for the next week, except your dinner plans at my house on Friday night, must be canceled. No dates, no photography, no Theta Chi, no church, no excuses. Now, to kind of paint a picture, you can go back one creek or sorry. To kind of paint a pitch, picture, um, this is who I was in college. I was, you know, I was, I was dating and I was, you know, I was really big into doing photography professionally, that kind of stuff. I was in Theta Chi fraternity. Anyone here from Georgia Tech in the Theta Chi chapter? All right, those guys need to get here. Anyways, and I was going to church, and I was, uh, you know, and, and so anyway, so that was a picture of who I was. So anyways, let's go on. And then he wraps it up with, uh, go ahead, only classes, eating, writing, and a little more, and a little, no more than six hours of sleep. And I was like, holy moly, this is crazy. But he wasn't done yet. Can you do it? You must. The end is near. Repent. Metanoia. Turn around. Which is basically Greek for saying, get your butt in gear. Okay? And he was like, Hotho, you have got to get this done. And I did it. I got it done. It was crazy. You know, uh, my dating life kind of fell apart. I broke up with my girlfriend like the day after he sent me this letter because I was like, honey, I can't see you anymore. You, you just read the letter. You get the picture. Okay? It's, it's rough. Okay? Anyways. But I felt all this anxiety and stress and all this kind of stuff. But I finished my degree and I was like, ah we're done. And then I got a job. And I moved back in with my parents. And I was like, conflict. I was like, all these things started coming back, right? It was like conflict, anxiety, you know, go ahead. Conflict, anxiety, worry, concerns. They just, they keep coming back, right? It's like, it doesn't matter if you're in school. Like you might be in school right now. You might have all these things. I hate to break it to you, but when you get out of school, they continue, and they continue in your job, and they continue in your life, and you know, like if you get married, or if you have your family around, and that kind of stuff, it just, life is sometimes, often, stressful, and there's conflict, anxiety, worry, concern, okay? And sometimes, like you find yourself thinking, when will I ever get a moment to catch my breath? When will I ever get a moment to catch my breath? Can I get an amen? Amen. We're all there right now. We're all thinking, oh my gosh, when will this semester be over? When will these papers be done? Well, I have some good news for you. We are not the first people to confront stress and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. The Bible is filled with stories of people who are dealing with stress and anxiety. And I want to look at one in particular tonight. It's, a, it's actually not a story. It's a piece of poetry. It's a psalm that probably many of you are familiar with, Psalm 23. Y'all have probably heard it before. We're going to dive down into it and kind of just look at some really cool things that I think are going on in there, kind of behind the psalm a little bit, okay? So we're going to do some work with poetry. Now, do any of you guys, if you work with poetry at all, you know these things about poetry. It has rhythm, it has imagery, it has metaphor, and it has emotion. So when we're reading this, like, you're going to probably be reading it, and you're going to be thinking, okay, I could picture myself in this, or there's a lot of feeling here, or, you know, I'm seeing images of things that, that are reminding me of other things, and, and it sort of has a flow to it. And that's what poetry, good poetry, is supposed to do. And I think that that is what this poem and this psalm does as well. So let's start reading it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Now this psalm is normally read at funerals. You've probably heard it before um, in the context of sort of... uh, a funeral where, you know, the Lord is my shepherd and, you know, he's making me lie down. And it's this beautiful image that helps us cope with, you know, the loss of a loved one or, you know, that kind of thing. But I, I believe that this, this psalm actually has great things to say to us today in, in a life-giving way. 
that's just kind of like hopeful. Hopeful in the midst of all the stress and the anxiety and the worry that is going on in our life. That God wants to lead us beside still waters and refresh our souls. Now, you guys are some of the smartest college students in Atlanta, okay? I, I believe that. I mean, you know, I, I didn't check your grades or anything like that, but I just believe it. You know, the living room attracts some smart college students. So can you all track with me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look behind a couple of these words here. We're going to learn a little bit of Hebrew. Are you guys okay with that? Just like a little bit of Hebrew, okay? All right, cool. Good, Sam. I knew you were in. All right, so let's go to the next slide. This word for quiet, for quiet waters, it's this word menuchot. Can you guys say that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah, exactly. It's got, okay, you should be spitting on the person in front of you. Menuchot. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But it's this idea. It's this really cool idea. It's this idea of rest or peace or stillness, that kind of stuff, right? So when the psalmist talks about, like, still waters, it's like this, right? And, and you know, sometimes we experience waters in our life that are kind of like that, you know? It's, it's rough waters, but the psalmist is imagining when you just hold the glass and let it get steady. I should probably get those shakes checked out. But you, you, you hold it steady, and that is calm water. And the life of a shepherd, so the person who wrote this, King David, was a shepherd, right? And he had an experience with leading flocks through by green pastures and leading them by still waters. But the reality is, too, where he lived was in the desert as well. You know, there was this, the southern part of Israel was all this desert area. And when it you, you didn't always have still water. Sometimes you had these flash floods that would creep up. It was the weirdest thing ever, but it happened there all the time. It still happens today where it will like rain like 30 miles north on the top of a mountain and you, it'll be a sunny day outside and there will just be a stream, a rushing stream of water that just runs through the valley. I've got a video of one that happened last year. Here we go. It's about a minute long. Anytime. There we go. So can you imagine being a shepherd in the wilderness and your flock, let's say you've got like a hundred sheep and that just appears and there, you know, I mean, you saw that dog, right? That dog's like scurrying away from it, but the dog was kind of curious and then backed away and dogs are kind of quick. Sheep aren't that quick. You know, you could lose some of your flock to that crazy, I mean, right? Like it went down into a river or down into a, a valley. I mean, it was basically like a dry river kind of just came to life right there in that moment. And so it's, when the psalmist describes these, these peaceful waters, these quiet, resting waters, he's describing basically the opposite of something that he had experienced often. So he's taking this imagery and he's saying, God, 
Oftentimes, what I experience unknowingly is that. But I trust that you will lead me beside still waters. So I guess if I had to ask you tonight, the state of how you're feeling, if you were to think of your soul as this cup of water, is your soul like this? Maybe if, maybe if you had like three cups of water, you could show me what your soul's like, right? It's just like, you know, you'd want like just everywhere. Or is your soul like this? Is it calm? Or is it turbulent? Is it crazy? Do you, do you, are you just so overwhelmed with everything that is going on? And the psalmist makes a really interesting point here. This quiet water is actually connected to the soul. He goes on here and he says, he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He takes water that is violent and, and, and tur- turbulent and makes it so calm. He calms our souls. God wants to take our souls from this and refresh it and restore it to this. And how many of you need that right now? If we're on, thank you, thank you. Honestly, hands, how many of us? Yeah, we all need that right now. We all need just like calm waters in our lives, okay? And now we're gonna go into this phrase here. He refreshes my soul. This is really a cool phrase. And we're gonna look at some different ways to, to think of it, okay? So sometimes in poetry, they take the, or any of you guys know grammar real well, they take like the object, which normally comes after the verb, and they put it at the front. Okay, so in the Hebrew, this word soul is actually in the front. So it's almost like it's screaming at you like, my soul, my soul, like pay attention, my soul. But what does he do to my soul? He refreshes it. And let's look at that word. It's, um, it's right here. It's this word teshuv. Teshuv. There it is. Teshuvev. And it means to like to turn, to return, to restore, to renew, to refresh, to revive. All these things that you imagine when when, when God is refreshing something, he's returning it, he's restoring it, renewing it, reviving it. And then this word for soul, it's this word, it's this word, nef, nefesh, nefesh, sorry, nefesh. Can you guys just say that with me? Nefesh. One more time. I just want to hear it. Mm, Hebrew, I love it. Okay. All right. So that is a really cool word. It's kind of complicated, but it's awesome. Okay. And if you can picture what he's talking about here, your nefesh, in the, like the way it mapped onto the body, it was your throat. It was your neck. It was your throat. It was this idea of if someone were to cut my throat, I would die. My life is integrally connected to my trachea and to, to the veins that run along my neck. Like I breathe through my neck. It's, it's my life comes through it. It's where my breath is, my blood, my life, but it's also my soul, my emotions. It's, it's who I am is my nefesh. In, in another psalm, it says, you know, God, I'm really scared the waters are rising up to my nefesh. I'm going to drown. It's this really evocative imagery of, of waters just rising up. And so, so maybe we could translate this line, he refreshes my soul. Maybe we could translate it like this. We could think of it this way. God refreshes my soul. That's what it says. We could also think of it as he restores my life. God returns me to my breathing. How many of you guys have gotten stressed out in a situation before, like before an exam or when you're procrastinating or something and, you're, and your breathing just picks up? Yeah, and you're, you're like, you're nervous and you catch you're like hyperventilating and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm breathing more, but I'm losing energy. It's because when you breathe too much, you're actually getting less energy into your body. God returns me to my breathing. God shoves me to my nefesh. Someone tweet that, please. Hashtag TLR. God shoves me to my nefesh. He returns me to my nefesh or God revives 
my humanity. How many of you feel like your humanity has just been trampled upon, whether it's by school or by another person or just by life? How many of you need God to restore you to your humanity? How many of you feel like you're only as good as your next grade? How many of you feel like all you ever do is work? I feel the same. I feel this so often. And what this psalmist wants to tell us is that God deals with all of that. My soul, my life, my breathing, my humanity, my nefesh, all of me. God wants to refresh, restore, return, shuv, revive, all of that. But it's so hard for us to understand, right? Because when we think of our lives, we think of the split here. See, we got the everyday stuff over here. We've got school, we've got work, we've got sleep, we've got exercise, we've got food, whatever we eat, chipotle, a lot. And then we've got the spiritual, amen, uh, prayer, meditation, worship, church, and scripture. And we keep those two separate, right? Because, and then there are some times when we think, you know, well, maybe if I just read my Bible more, things would get better. But I'm not sleeping at night, and I'm not eating well, you know, and I'm not exercising, and I just, you know, I'm not taking care of my physical body, but if I just read my Bible, it'll all get better. And somehow we know deep down that it just doesn't work that way. Somehow we know that deep down we're so much more integrated than that, that there isn't a split here, that actually, when you look at it all, it's all part of who we are. It's all something spiritual. So what we do with our exercise and what we eat and our sleeping habits and the way we work in our school, it's all a spiritual thing that's all connected to who we are. And I think that's so hard when we get caught up in these situations because this stress, these, these anxieties, these worries, they can become all-consuming. They can become all-consuming, and it's the only thing we see in front of us. All we see when we wake up in the morning is just a cup that is just all over the place, and we wake up going, God, can I just have some stillness. So what do we do in that situation? What do we do when we're confronted with stress, when we're confronted with a situation that is just overwhelming, that there's anxiety, there's worry, there's concern? Well, I want to give a practical, one practical uh, piece of advice for that. And this is something that I do in my own life that helps me out a lot um, in dealing with stress when it comes, okay? So this is the stress. You ready? Think of the stress as an object. Think of it as something that's separate from you. Observe it. Observe it. Stand apart from it. Analyze the stress. What is it? What's causing it? Has it always been here? Has, has this stressful situation always been here? Will it always be here? I mean, right? If you think like, you know, whatever date this semester's over, May, for me it's May 12th. May 12th, May 13th will come. And that will no longer be there. But will it always be there? Um, is it a person? Is there a, is there a person that comes to mind when you think of it? Is there a situation? Is there a place? Will that person always be there? No, they might move out. They might transfer schools. Who knows, you know? They might not always be there. What is the stress? Is the stress, is it a color? Could you give it a color? Could you give it a name? Could you give it, can you observe it? Can you make sense of it? Okay. And when you do that, you realize something really important. Who's observing the stress? You are. You are. So there's something fundamentally different between you and this stress. See, it's like this stress is, tempor- this stress is temporary and passing, and it will go on in a way that you are not temporary and passing. This stress cannot touch that. 
And the early Christians got it really well. Paul says in the, book of, or in the letter to the Galatians, uh, Galatians 2.20, actually, if you want to write this down, he says, um, he says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. There's this new reality living within us, and this new reality that says, I am not my stress. And that's just what I want to speak over you guys tonight, is this. You are not your stress. So whatever you're feeling right now about your schoolwork, about your life, about your job, about the future, like it is stress and it is there and it is real. I mean, you can observe it, you can analyze it, you can think about it, but it is fundamentally not you. You are something different. You are something that will go on beyond that stress. Now, even more practically, you might be wondering, how does God restore my soul? Well, I'm glad you asked that. So I think one of the primary ways that God restores our soul is through this thing uh, that, that, that's talked about a lot by the, in, the, in the Old Testament. Sorry, It's called Sabbath. And you may have heard about it. Jews practice this from sundown on Friday till sundown on Saturday. Jesus talked about it in the New Testament, and he didn't always obey it. And he said, you know, but there's still an importance in resting. And the author of Hebrews talks about the importance of entering into rest and taking time to rest. And I think that for us, it's such an important practice to get into in our culture because we're taught so often that it's all about do, 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 do. And how much more can you fit in in your day? Well, how much earlier could you get up? And then what could you do if you got up earlier? And then how much more? Think about how much more you can accomplish. And let me just tell you, along with you not being your stress, there's one other truth I want you to get tonight. Your value does not come from how much you produce. Can I get an amen? Your value does not come from how many pages you write, from how many grades you get, from how high your GPA is. I mean, all that stuff is important, but it is not fundamentally your value. Your value comes from a God who says, I love you. Kind of like what Chris was saying up here earlier. God chose to love you first. And God said, hey, I love you. And that is your value. And that will persist so much farther beyond this stress, beyond the anxieties and worries and concerns of school. So I don't know what taking a time for rest looks like for you. For me, it used to look like I don't get it much anymore in graduate school. I need more of it. But it used to look like for me, I would turn my phone off for 12 hours and just go somewhere go somewhere. I wouldn't, nobody could contact me. I wasn't checking social media. I would just get out and go somewhere. I would go walk in the park or I would go do photography or do something that I love. I would fill my time with something that fills me and just get back to that center, get back to that calm, quiet water, calming down my soul. And, you know, for some of us, entering into a time of prayer does that as well. And so tonight, I kind of want to offer just a small time for us to pray, for us to do the practice of prayer. So I'm going to invite some adults to come forward, some small group leaders, uh, Brad, Kristen as well, and just, they're going to be up here in the wings, some over here, uh, some over here as well. And if you need someone to pray with you about school, about something going on in your life, about an anxiety, about anything, they're up here to pray with you. If you don't need someone to pray with, that's totally cool. If you want to go somewhere in the room and pray by yourself, that's great. If you just want to pray sitting in your own seat. But I, the band's going to come up and play some music. There's not going to be words for a little while. It's just going to really be some, some atmosphere for you just to, to center in, to focus, to think about who you are as an integrated being beyond just this stress and this anxiety and this worry. Okay? So let me pray for you. And then we'll just enter into a time of prayer.
God, we come before you with all of our worries, anxieties, burdens, stresses, fears, and we lay them down before you. And we, we, we tell you that they are not us. We, God, we want you to just restore our humanity today. If there's anybody who needs that, God, just restore our humanity or refresh our soul, revive our hearts. God, return us to our breathing. Help us to calm down and to know that ultimately we are not our stress, that you love us and that you want us to have a refreshed soul. God, we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.